Hello, my name is Ceci and welcome to Sexo y Todo Eso, sex ed for the Latinx millennial parent. This week we have Platicas with Sexo y Todo Eso. For each platica, we are interviewing our close friends, family, and partners to hear about their experiences with sex ed. So tune in every other week as we make space for these important conversations. y'all and thanks for joining us. A while back I sat down with my good friends Melissa and Alvaro. Both are college professors in South Texas and Melissa was previously bilingual teacher. They are very smart kind people that are not shy about voicing their opinions and for whom I have so much respect and admiration. We talk about sex ed in the public school system how they've seen that affect young folks college experience and their own very different introduction into sexuality education and how that's impacted the relationships and views today as well as the larger systemic impacts that things like racism and sexism have on sexual health outcomes for all young people, but especially young people of color. So grab your cafecito because it's a long one, but I promise it's so worth it. Have a listen. So I don't, I don't remember having like the talk like with, with my parents. I don't think that happened. I think my parents assumed I learned it at school. And um, I had thought about this when you, when you first sent your message. I grew up in Miami. And so in Miami, there's just like assumptions I think that are made about people that color the way these conversations go. So like drug education in Miami is like in elementary school, they bring drug sniffing dogs and suitcases. And they talk to you about how, like when you bring cocaine into the airport, the drug sniffing dogs are going to find it. So like they assume that you're going to smuggle cocaine in. like they just start at that. And I think our <laughs> sex talks were like exactly the same. Like they'd be like, mostly about STDs, like just a lot of stuff about STDs. And it wasn't like, here's how to avoid getting STDs. It was like, you're nasty. We know you're going to do the nasty stuff. And like, you're going to get these STDs. So here's what they are. And here's what to do about them. But like, it was all kind of like, I don't know, it was all about like negative consequences. And then like, um, like basic stuff. Like you could take a pill to not get pregnant. You could use a condom to avoid getting STDs and you should definitely do that because you're nasty and we know you're not going to be abstinent. Like I can remember, I told Alvaro, they were like, abstinence is the one way that you cannot get pregnant or have STDs, but no one's going to do that. So let's just like move on. So it wasn't like a real thing, but I think, so basically they sort of like assumed we were going to be sexual and then tried to tell us all the bad things that would come from it and how to like mm -hmm. mitigate those problems. But I would say that's like my general memory. Yeah. Do you remember like what grades yeah. you got these conversations in? Um, seventh was like when I remember that, like, yeah. Um, in fifth grade, we had like our first sexuality conversation in school and it was very classic. Like when we were all together, they talked about like, like genes and inherited genes and like widow's peaks and stuff. And then they separated boys and girls and they talked to girls about periods. And I don't know what they talked to boys about. Like, I have no idea. Um, and then in seventh grade, they just like got down to like the nasty stuff. They were just like, this is gonorrhea, genital. I remember like genital warts. I feel like I knew about genital warts before I had any real idea of like what sex actually was. Was it the kind of class where they like show you pictures of these STDs or no? Yeah, yes. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Yeah, that's scary. As a yeah. seventh grader, I can't even imagine. 
What yeah. about you, Alvaro? Do you remember where you kind of got the conversation? Um, so I feel like uh, to a certain extent, my experience kind of mostly mirrors what Melissa said. Although I guess it would just stop short of the whole, we're assuming you're doing it kind of thing. Like the kind of what Melissa kind of ascribes to Miami. So insofar as the, like, again, kind of working off stereotype, like insofar as that there's this kind of like broad application about like what's going on in Miami. So like, if we were to just associate like, you know, big cities, Miami with like more liberal, like attitudes towards sex. Well then the same stereotype, the same kind of stereotype applies in the other direction, right. About the Valley and where we grew up. And so, um, I, I, I guess, um, I guess it would be that, right. And I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit more about like, you know, what I thought happened or didn't happen, but I've actually like, you know, something that Melissa said kind of jogged my memory, which was that kind of fifth grade conversation. And, you know, mm -hmm. she joked like, oh, I don't know what they talked about to the boys. And I literally just remember it being about hygiene. Like, I don't, maybe, maybe there was something about, like, sex that was discussed that maybe was over my head at the time. But, like, I honestly just remember it, like, because, you know, Melissa said stuff about, like, oh, men, uh, girls were talked to about menstruation. And boys, I feel like we were just given, like, deodorant. <laughs> and, like... Uh, I just felt it was like, I, I, that's, I swear it was just that it was a very kind of hygiene centric kind of thing. Um, and then to kind of answer your direct question, Sassy, like, I don't recall my parents having to talk with me at all. Um, which is really strange because both my parents are in the medical field, <laughs> um, and in, in labor and delivery, no less. Um, and so... I, I, so, but, but I also felt like I came from a very kind of like medical based household. Like it was, everything was mm -hmm. all about like, you know, high, like proper hygiene and like all sorts of like, you know, pro medication and pro vaccines and all sorts of stuff. Right. So I guess all the more reason that it sticks out that like that wasn't really intentionally done by them. And I think to a certain extent, kind of like what Melissa said, you know, there was this general kind of outsourcing to like the schools, but it's one yeah. thing to outsource that to like, you know, Miami and another, quite another thing perhaps to uh, outsource that to the state of Texas. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, and I had a similar, and maybe because I grew up in the Valley too, but um, that's what I remember also from like the fifth grade kind of sex. I, that's the only time I remember getting sex ed. And I do also remember getting like a little bag with like deodorant. And I think girls got like pads and like some mm -hmm. other stuff in it too. But um, that was the extent of my sex ed like in school also um so at the time that that was like going on in school i mean did your parents i mean i don't know if y'all remember or would know this but did they have to like give permission for y'all to have this conversation in school or did they talk to you about did you like get home and like oh mom dad i learned this at school today i think um, so like that i think there was a form like you had to take a form home and like your parents had to like either sign it and say that it was okay or they had to like fill it out if they didn't want you to do I can't remember what the protocol was but there was definitely a paper that said like this conversation will happen and now's your only chance to get out of it or something like that <laughs> yeah um I don't recall specifically but if there was a paper I imagine they signed it uh yeah, yeah. so I think so do y'all remember do y'all have siblings at home I don't quite remember I don't looks like for you guys no, do you, Alberto? I do. I have an older brother um, who's five years older than me, but okay. um, 
so I guess to, to get ahead on you a, a bit, Ceci, like I thought about this, but like it actually really doesn't apply because like, you know, uh-huh. my my brother left the house at like essentially like 17, 18 to join the military. Mm-hmm. And so I was like 12. And so like, oh, okay. and so I felt like that really meant that like that kind of, you know, knowledge, you know, passing down uh, to the extent that that would have happened. I'm not sure if it would have. Um from older brother to little brother didn't really happen just because of like our age difference, I think. So, yeah, I don't, you know, there really wasn't much communicated intentionally in any way. Yeah. Um, And I know, at least for you, Alvaro, I know some of the people um, that were in your friend group growing up. Um, Did y'all ever talk about stuff like that? (sighs) Um, I mean... Not really, because we were teenage boys. And so, I mean, insofar as just, you know, what you would imagine it to be as just like, just unscientific, (laughs) hypersexualized, hypergross things. Misinformation. Probably, yeah, uh, among teenage (laughs) boys. Um, I I, I don't think so. Um, Yeah, and I think, I think like, beyond really and I mean you know this is like kind of my I guess kind of standard answer that I think kind of mirrors what Melissa was saying earlier too that like I felt like it was very I remember like when I started um having sex I felt like it was there there was always no question like if anything was drilled into us maybe it was like the generation and the kind of like you know after school tv shows that we watch but like condoms were very deeply inculcated like yeah you know, and so I think, you know, perhaps that was a good, like, a good job was done there. And I, don't, I can't, you know, insofar as, like, I could kind of attribute that to any one thing, I really can't, right? I think it, like, it's, like, in pop culture, it's, like, a bit in school, you hear about it, like, people joke about it. Like, so it was just kind of around, you know? And so yeah. um, I think at the very least, there was that. And, and, you know, insofar as it was a kind of, like, you know, medical hygiene thing that, again, was kind of pro i guess like i I guess the kind of uh values from my parents were kind of kind of meant that i would be accepting of that as a thing um i never Mm -hmm. understood and to this day i never understood the the whole like you know refusal among men to wear condoms and so far as some do i mean that was never a thing uh for Mm -hmm. me and and so like that was yeah And talking about stuff that might have been like unintentionally communicated or messages we receive without even really knowing it, um, whether intentional or unintentional, do y'all think that you're, and I'm not making assumptions about, you know, how people identify and stuff, but like, do y'all's gender or sexual orientation like affected the messages that y'all got growing up? Um, Or, yeah. Probably. I mean, I don't think there's a way to avoid that. I was just thinking when he brought up like condom usage and stuff, I was thinking about how I remember in like that seventh grade class, one of the things they, they showed us were dental dams. And just like as a kid, like I was just like, wait, what's that for? Like, what do you mean? Like, what are people doing with that? Um, and I've, I don't think I've ever seen a dental dam again. But like, I know that like I can remember it and being like, it's such a weird name. And like, yeah, you're just there with like all these, they're, they're showing you all these like products. Like, you could use this, Uh and you could use that, and here's a diaphragm, and, like, here's how it works. But, like, 
they're showing you all these things, but you still have like no concept of like what they are. And so I think probably like the main message as women that like we got was sort of like, you're responsible for like, essentially like we know you're nasty because you're in my, you're in Miami, you're, 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 you're nasty. You're having sex already. You're seventh grader. Nobody was having sex. Like (laughs) nobody that I knew. Um, Yeah. I mean, there were people I'm sure, but like, not in that classroom at that time. Um, but there was like a lot of sort of like, you're going to use all these things and it's your responsibility to use them. Cause if you don't, all these bad things can happen to you. And so mm-hmm. I think mostly what we got was sort of like scare tactics and like this sort of sense of like, you have to be very responsible and anything that goes wrong is sort of a reflection on your, your bad choices or your irresponsibility. Um, and when I think about like just that kind of messaging in general like it sort of misses the whole point you know it's almost like you don't need to tell people what the point of sex is but like i think you actually kind of do especially with young women like you know this is something you should actually enjoy not something that's scary terrible and that like is a vector for all sorts of disease which it can be but like that's (laughs) not you know for otherwise normal average healthy people you know Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because that is something that I think, um, at least in the work that I've done, is something that we're trying to to bring to it, right? Talking about pleasure and talking about the different reasons people decide to have sex or to not have sex, right? It has um, a lot of times people go directly to like, oh, become pregnant or, you know, to prevent an STD or whatever. But there's so many different reasons that sex can or cannot happen. Um, And you were a teacher for a minute, right, Mm -hmm. Melissa? Yeah. What grades did you teach? I taught second, third, fourth, and fifth. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was talking a little about this too. I think we're still educators who like work with young people all the time. And like, even when you're working with college students, like if anything, actually, I think college students probably need more sex ed than they're getting. Like they're actually, they're actually having sex and getting into like all these sort of complicated situations around sex. And they don't have, the same sort of structure, like they're not at home with their families. Um, mm-hmm. Their teacher relationships are really different. So I would say even like being college professors now, like there's, I, I think there's still a lot of responsibility. Um, and there was when I was working with little kids, you're probably going to ask something about that, but. <laughs> no, yeah, I was just curious about um, like when you were in the, it was a public, you were in the public school mm-hmm. system. Is that where you were teaching? Yeah. Yeah, did you ever have to do, like, sex education or um, anything like that with your No. I thought when I taught fifth grade, I was like, oh, we we probably have to do the thing. No, that's Mm -hmm. not a thing. And I think maybe that's because of, like, Texas's laws or whatever around, like, Mm -hmm. um, sex ed and those kinds of things. So we, no, we never talked about those things. Those were, like, very... Yeah. um, I can remember there's probably a couple things. In later years, I did a lot of work around consent with kids like third graders um just like basic like if you want to do something with a friend like if you want to hug your friend or you want to play tag with your friend and like tap when you play tag if you want to like rough house a little bit on the playground like all of these things are things that you guys can talk about and decide with each other and set rules for and that like then you can do right so like they had a rule of like if you're gonna play rough I'm going to ask if both people said yes to that situation. Right. And so like Mm -hmm. we did a lot of that with them, but that was towards the end. And I thought it was really effective. Like kids really took up 
especially like kids really took it upon themselves to do more of that. Like, Hey, so-and-so tickled somebody without asking first. That wasn't okay. You know, like really Mm -hmm. sort of emphasizing um, people's sort of like bodily autonomy and people's right to enjoy things. Right. So like some kids really wanted to play rough and like Mm -hmm. that brought them joy in the playground. So it's like giving them that space to do that. Um, There was uh, one year where I read a book about, there's like a gay penguin book. Mm-hmm. Book about it's called two uh T- and tango makes three i think is what it's called but it's about two penguins yeah. in like the central park zoo that raised this egg together and i remember there was this pair of boys in my class that year when we read it they were best friends and they did everything together and at the beginning of the story it's like these two penguins are best friends and they do everything together and the one of the boys was like oh it's just like me and my best friend and i was like <laughs> yeah just like you two just just like you two <laughs> and then like you, know, you keep reading <laughs> And when the two penguins decided to adopt this egg, I remember this mm-hmm. little boy's face. He was just like, no, this isn't okay. And I sort of realized, like, wow, we have a lot of work to do with young people mm-hmm. and, like, thinking about sexuality and stuff. But it's definitely not – it's definitely not in the curriculum, one. Like, you're not – it's like you're not supposed to teach it. And then mm-hmm. if you do teach it, you start running into, like, I, I don't know, like, people's – like people can be very religious. A lot of the families I worked with were not necessarily conservative families. Um, I worked in like predominantly immigrant communities, but like they weren't conservative in the sense of like, they weren't like, I don't know. They weren't Trump supporters or whatever, but like they were religious. And so like, sometimes Mm -hmm. we run into these like very religious arguments about things. And so I don't know. I think, it was definitely something that I think we weren't supposed to address in Texas public schools. Yeah, definitely. And like right now or right before the pandemic, actually, we had started um, working with AISD to create a curriculum for K through 12 um, for sexuality um, education, uh, which I at this point, I don't know if it was implemented or not, just because, you know, things went a little weird <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, but it was very promising. We had like full day trainings with educators um, anywhere from K through 12th grade um, on best practices on how to support students throughout these conversations. And I think the scary part about sex ed, especially when we're talking about like kindergartners, mm-hmm. um, is when people kind of like freak out. Um, it's exactly what you said, right? We're talking about like asking for permission, um, you know, identifying safe adults. Um, you know, all these different things that um, are incorporated into sexuality education that don't get all the attention necessarily, um, but that are super important to build that foundation too. Yeah, you know what they did have every, I don't remember what grades it was for, it might have been like fourth graders or something. But there was a group that would come in for, I think it was everybody in AISD who like once they were in a certain grade, I think they did like a second grade version and a fourth grade version or something like that. But it was around like, um, how would I put it? Like safety from sexual abuse kind of things. So it would be, they'd Mm -hmm. like come in and they'd talk about sort of like bodily like stuff of like, you know, people should be touching you here. Um, Here are like normal touches, here are not normal touches. And then they always had like this moment where they would like, make space for somebody to talk to them at the end um and i sat through that a couple times so like people would come in and do that and it was very much around sort of like just making sure that you told kids that like adults shouldn't be 
like getting all up in their, you know, private areas. So. Yeah. And that can be pretty hard. And I don't know, I mean, at least the way I've experienced being like Latino and being Mexican is that, um, a lot of times children's like boundaries aren't respected, especially when it comes to like saluda a tu tío or dale un beso a whatever. Sometimes they're not even relatives or just people coming over to your house mm -hmm. that your family's friends with. Um, and I think that it's a, it's very hard for a lot of families to kind of get away from that. Um, or for parents to put up those kind of like limits or boundaries within their own families, just because, you know, they just don't want to deal with the conflict that that might bring. Um, I feel so, like I'd have yeah, a hard definitely. time with that. Like that that's complicated, right? Because like on the mm -hmm. some level you wanna be like, this is like a something we do. This is how we say hi. Like this is how we like you know, I don't know, recognize other people's humanity, right? Like it's sort of a way to like be with others and it's like a nice mm -hmm. thing. Um but you also don't wanna like force people to do the nice thing. So I think it's you probably just have to like be really clear about like what you're doing and why you're doing it, right? Like you're not just yeah. doing it it's not just like kiss your uncle because just go kiss your uncle. It's like kiss your uncle because like, that's how we like, that's how we say hi. And that's how we like always said hi. Mm -hmm. And I used to kiss my uncles and like, you know, whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's stupid, but like, I think just talking about why we do it in the first place might be helpful for kids as opposed yeah. to just like do it or don't do it. And also like model, if that's something that's important or, you know, valued in, in a family, just mo like seeing kids seeing that behavior modeled, I think, mm -hmm. um, can serve to make them maybe feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, and also knowing that if they ever want to say no, that that's going to be respected, right? Because yeah. they might feel like hugging someone one day and then one day they're just having like a really bad day and they don't yeah. want to like talk to anyone. <laughs> so having that understanding can be great. Um, so... Right now, I know you all mentioned that you didn't really talk to your parents um, or that those conversations were really coming from them. As adults, how ha has that changed at all or or not really? Actually, Alvaro's dad is real cross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, well, I mean, like, <laughs> I won't elaborate too much on that, but it's just that, like, you know, it, it's just like, you know, because they work in, like, labor and delivery, like, they have all these, like, stories and horror stories about stuff uh yeah so i mean but like about our personal um experiences and our relationship yeah no absolutely not i mean i think that you know there's there's a sense of i guess i'll call it respect that like we you know know what, know what we're doing and what we haven't doing. maybe this is a, probably more of a kind of like a germane point for like when we first started dating and we were still pretty young we we're still in college and stuff so but even then no i mean i think that you know luckily uh we've um we've felt more than capable of handling that on our own as two um consenting adults <laughs> but i think so, so you're like right, a like, sexy you know. scene and <laughs> so if, like oh, a sexy God. scene in a movie comes up or something do y'all still like fast forward or get uncomfortable or is it just like whatever <laughs> i think we all just sit really quietly and wait for it to be over <laughs> yeah you just cringe, don't make eye contact cringe. just like just like hold your breath <laughs> just sit hold your breath and wait for it to be over because like that does happen It'll be right? over soon. yeah that's funny it's um, yeah no i it's no it is absolutely not something that 
And and also, I just think that, like, I don't know to what extent I would get anything out of talking to my parents. Like, I mean, I think that, like, the generational mm-hmm. gap is so different that, like, um, and again, it's kind of like what Melissa was saying earlier about, like, you know, people's, like, conservatism, right? It's not political conservatism. It's, like, a kind of moral conservatism and, like, a sense of, like, you know, tradi- traditional values, right? I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. that implies all sorts of baggage. Uh but, like, I just don't think that they, you know, have really anything of value at this stage to, you know, impart for me uh, and us, necessarily. I'm trying but. to think. I, I think I, you know what I remember, actually, Sissy? I remember one time, like, the one time I've had to talk to my parents about anything was when the HPV shot came out. And we were, like, oh, yeah, kind of, like probably like maybe 17 18 when the hpv shot came out and like mm-hmm. it was all over the news media and stuff and so i was like oh i should get that like that seems like a safe thing i should get that and i remember telling my mom like oh i there's a shot and i'm supposed to get it because you're supposed to get it if you're 16 and up and my mom was like mm-hmm. oh okay like she didn't she wasn't weird about it she wasn't like oh that's a sex shot or anything she was just like oh, okay and i made an appointment with the doctor and <laughs> sex I, shot. it's fine um and i think i even remember like probably like when I was still on my parents' health insurance and stuff going on birth control and like not like it not being weird. And like, if I needed to make an appointment with like a gynecologist or something, like I feel like I must've talked to my mom about these things, like in very like non-descriptive terms, but like, Oh, I should probably go do this. Or maybe I was seeing it through health services at school or something, but like I was still on their health insurance. So that's how I was getting medications and stuff. I feel like if I, like really trying to think about it. I think my mom always made it clear that like if I needed to talk to her about something I could. Like she was mm-hmm. there. Like if I needed to. And she's I think maybe the most open out of all of our parents, like out of the four of them, the one who's the most sort of like jokes about things, laughs at stuff, um, would be like my mom and then maybe like his dad. <laughs> I feel like if you had to talk to anybody of our parents, you'd want to go my mom or his dad. Those, those would be the ways you'd want to go. <laughs> I think when parents cut that off, like when parents don't ever talk to you about that when you're young, they sort mm-hmm. of give you the signal that like it's inappropriate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then like as an adult, you're like, well, I'm not going to talk to you about that now. Like you, you know, yeah. like you've decided yeah. you set that norm and I'm not going to break that norm now. So I know y'all don't have kids right now. You have a very beautiful dog that I see all over Instagram, which is awesome. Very sexy dog. Do y'all dog. have any other... Yes. Do y'all have any other, like, young kids in your life that you know maybe these conversations are coming up for them or these kind of, like, they're starting to get curious around these things? I I was at a high school a lot this year, and I found myself having really funny conversations about relationships with kids. Like, just the Mm -hmm. kinds of questions they would ask were really, like, they're, like, sometimes really funny. Like, Alvaro and I were living apart for a couple months this year, and there were some girls I was talking to, and they saw my wedding ring, and they were asking about my husband. I was like, oh, well, he's he's not living here right now. He's living somewhere else, but he'll be here at, like, Thanksgiving or whatever. And they were like, was he cheating on you? And I was like, no. And they were like, how do you know? And I was like, because we have a loving, committed relationship. And they were like, you're dumb. You know, like, it was really funny because they were sort of expressing all these ideas about, like, relationships and how women are treated and how women are supposed to think mm-hmm. about men. Uh, and so I was able to, like, talk to them about that. And I thought that was, like, a good conversation um 
I had, I've had some conversations with boys too about like, oh, you know, like I'm trying to talk to this girl and, you know, here's my situation. You kind of like, well, mijo, like here's what I, here's what I would want you to think about. Um, and then I think as college professors, like our, a lot of our students are going through things and stuff comes up like, mm-hmm. um, you know, stu- I mean, especially like as college professors, like we are mandated reporters. There's a lot of regulation around Title IX, sexual assault, like all these kinds of things. And like it, it does come up like it is a thing. Um, yeah. Um you know, I'm, I'm, I guess like the, the place where I'm most in a kind of role of mentorship is with college students. And yeah, unfortunately though, like, you know, I mean, I'm not one of the point people on campus to like (laughs) forge such a relationship on these topics per se. But I mean, like, unfortunately, like when things do go wrong, like, you know, you kind of pick up on it. And like, even actually like this last, this past semester where like, you know, I, I think you get, at least I, to the extent that I like dealt with it, I kind of dealt with these issues a bit more in like the intro class that are disproportionately populated by like freshmen and sophomore. And then like, because, you know, the institution where I was at was like a kind of all the students live on campus kind of thing. Right. It's, it's an, an include really close quarters. Like it's, it's an issue. Right. And so all, all sorts of, you know, issues with sexual assault and consent and, you know, all, all sorts of things. And so, um, you know, details can be shared with you from time to time that very, you know, clearly signal something in this area. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not in a necessarily in a position to kind of broach the subject with a student, often a young girl who I don't really know all that well and wouldn't bring up such a topic to begin with. Uh, but like, other than to just like support them in the ways that I can. And so, you know, that means like, you know, um, being intentional about who I pair them with. I mean, I knew that, you know, one student for reason, for one reason or another, right. Like, and I actually like don't know exactly, but like for one reason or another, didn't want to be near uh, another uh, male student in the class. And so I very intentionally paired them, not only like in separate groups for a small group discussion, but um, like on opposite sides of the room, you know? And so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was something I had to do from time to time and I was happy to do it. Right. Uh, but like yeah unfortunately like yeah that's kind of how you at least that's how i've had to deal with it so um but yeah this stuff is going on and i i, I kind of echo most of this point that like and because students come in from s- different states right and so like this whole assumption on the part of institutions not just the one where i was at right but i would probably say this of all colleges right that like um this sense that like, well, you know, they got what they got in high school. And so we don't really need to deal with it. Right. Other than having like, you know, mm-hmm. disciplinary, uh, you know, s- protocols for when something goes wrong. Right. As opposed to just like affirmative, proactive uh, engagement on these topics. Right. From day one. Um, I mean, I think institutions will say that they do this and they probably do in a kind of pro forma way. But um, it's typically like, oh, we're going to do it during orientation when everyone's here. But like it's going to go through, you know, it's not like a kind of constant thing. And. You know, really, like, mm-hmm. I don't really feel like even in college either, right, that, like, there was much intentionality in any way other than, like, oh, you know, it's a public space where people are literally giving you condoms, right? You walk down mm-hmm. the drag at UT 
and like you know there's groups that like just give you free condoms right that is not the case necessarily at you know our at least my high school right uh although it probably Mm -hmm. should have been uh and so like um but aside from that it's kind of like a phoning it in right and so um, i just think that like everyone just kind of puts it puts this responsibility on other people and it's kind of like everyone assumes that some other party is doing it but for mm-hmm. some students, like they yeah. fall through the cracks, right? And they don't they don't get it from anywhere. Well, yeah. I'm thinking again about like negative connotations and sex education. I think sex education is always negative connotations. Like I think when I started college, they gave us condoms and they gave us rape whistles, right? Like here's a rape whistle and here's a condom. So it's just like, what is this thing, right? Like what is this thing that like we only talk about in terms of like diseases, pregnancy, you like might get raped and... You know, like none of the other things around it are really like discussed almost as if like, well, you saw that Mm -hmm. on TV, you know what that is or something, which isn't, I don't know. Like, I don't think that that's like, I guess I'm fine. I'm a fine adult or whatever. Maybe it's okay. But I think that if we were more intentional about like thinking about how we present these things as normal and as human and as nuanced and as having positive and negative component, like, I think that would be healthier for young people and would make them it would make it easier i think for them to come and talk about things because again i think as soon as you start saying well like here's your rape whistle and here are your condoms and don't get too drunk and don't do that again like you're sort of always frame things as like if something goes wrong like it's something that you should be ashamed of because you did something wrong right like you Mm -hmm. didn't use protection or you didn't make a good choice that day or whatever you know yeah you didn't take the necessary steps to prevent it Mm -hmm. um yeah, so I yeah, I think that's a very valid point. Like even as um college students or even as adults, there's a lot of information that people like don't get or don't know. So there's like all these different like options, um, different things that, that maybe are not communicated. Um and I know Alvaro, you said that, you know, you remember the fifth grade kind of like puberty talk. When did you actually learn about sex? If it wasn't from your family, if you only had kind of like that hygiene talk yeah. in, in elementary school? Um, I feel like, you know, I, I brought this up with Melissa as we, as I saw this question, I was like, cause I, I we literally had to stop and think, cause I was like, man, I, my, my memory is fuzzy. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I think it was probably in like these kind of health classes, right? These like, didn't we have like a health requirement, right? And so there was that kind of standard health class that was kind of like a hodgepodge of like, uh, you know, anatomy and physiology, and then also, you know, stuff around exercise and health, but that also included some stuff around, um, you know, around sex, right? But like, actually, like, not, uh, actually, my point was that it didn't really include stuff about sex, right? That it was, I felt like, I felt like I learned about reproduction, right? On multiple instances, Mm -hmm. right? So like, I feel like, you know, uh, you know, I had an interest in this stuff, because it was in my house, right? At some point, my dad taught at a community college, he taught like anatomy and physiology. And so like, you know, I, this was, you know, I said there were medical books in my house, right? And so like, you know, I feel like I encountered, you know, plenty of science around the reproductive system, both, you know, you know, male and female, right? And that, that's what it was, right? But mm-hmm. like, so everything was taught, I, I felt like, to the extent that I encountered stuff, it was like through abstraction and like science and like academia, right? And like, and kind of an academic context, right? That like, you know, so everything was kind of discussed, um, physiologically, biologically, reproductively, but like, that's not really sex, right? It's not about the act. It's not about like the social interaction. Right. Um, so there was, I I felt like all that was absent, like 
you know, here's this scenario between two people. Like, you know, what's right, what's wrong? Uh, how do you know how what's the responsible way um, to kind of work through this scenario? Right? Like, that was never at all discussed, right? Like, so like the, the act of sex is, is not discussed, right? It's, it's all mm-hmm. through, you know, these abstract concepts of like, a, like a being like sitting in a bio class, you know, and I'm guessing all of this information was between um, straight couples, right? Yes. So... Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, like, knowing that, you know, you guys had the experience of it coming from like a very like medical kind of like reproduction centered education or um, you're nasty and you're going to die from an STD. <laughs> like, how did this affect um, y'all's dating relationships? Or if, if at all, how do y'all like learn to navigate that, I guess, if it didn't come from sexuality education? Or is it just kind of like trial and error? I don't know. I mean, I think that like we pick up on a lot of stuff in the media, right? Like you don't always know all the stuff you're picking up on. But like, as, like, I can remember being a little kid and like my mom being like, cover your eyes during the sex scene in the movie. But like, you don't, you know, you just sort of watch it anyway. You're kind of like, what are they doing mm-hmm. over there? And so I think you're, you're getting, like, I think from like a young age, I knew what that word was, right? Like I had some concept of it. And I think one thing that we forget, I can remember a little girl one year um, when I taught second grade. There was this beautiful girl in our class who was like kind of like the model in the class and she was always preening in front of a mirror and there's this kind of like really quirky nerdy girl who just like she was the coolest she i just loved her she once called me uh she called me her sister in arms once just to kind of give you a sense of who she was she was the coolest and this like beautiful girl who was also really cool in a lot of ways but so she's like preening in the mirror and this other little girl just looks at her and she goes sex and the other girl got really mad. She was like really upset. She's like, you know, Miss Adams, Miss Adams, this little girl said sex to me. And I was just like, this is a new one. And I remember taking the, the, the offender <laughs> aside and being like, so like, that's an interesting thing to say. And she was like, I just, I don't know where it came from, but I just saw what she was doing in the mirror. And all I could think about was sex. <laughs> I was like, well, usually when we want to send somebody a message, like we don't just say that word to somebody. Like that's not really how we use that word in a sentence. Was my teacher? So let's talk about the grammar here. <laughs> but um, but so I think like little kids have some concept of what this is, even if it's like incomplete and unsure. Like they're they're, I think from the time you're really little, like you're building some understanding of what this is, and every time you get some kind of lesson, you're like adding something to it. You're watching something on TV, you know, you're reading something in a book, you're hearing your friends talk about something with like somebody that they're dating or whatever. And so you start just sort of like creating this little like, I don't know, um, like it's like a working, I think it's like we, we learn it by piecing together all these things. Instead of actually getting something mm-hmm. cohesive, we sort of like create our own sort of like cobbled together knowledge base but it's it comes from everywhere i think yeah definitely all those like um mess like all those messages that we get like you said you know parents covering our eyes when something happens or even just overheard conversations among adults you know Mm -hmm. that are around us things that we overhear and we make assumptions about what it means um and if we don't have like a safe person to ask or we don't have that comfortable person to ask we're just gonna you know run wild with our imaginations and like this is what this is 
but so I think like you asked like how it affects people. I think it affects you because you're just um, maybe when you're first starting out, you're kind of flying blind, and so you're like, let me see how this stuff works, right? Let me figure this out based on what I have cobbled together here, and then you like add to that knowledge by like by figuring it out by doing it and maybe figuring out what parts of what you knew made sense and worked and what parts of what you knew Mm -hmm. were maybe more myth or more, you know, based on something else. Yeah. Yeah. And also like the part of navigating the social aspects of a relationship, right? Um, Not just like the behavior of having, you know, whatever kinds Mm -hmm. of sex people decide to have, but um, how to identify a healthy relationship, you know, and what messages we're getting through the media and through, you know, our families or neighbors or whoever around what that looks like, um, I think is a part about sexuality education that a lot of people forget about or don't really pay much attention to. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And I think it might be more important than the other stuff. Cause I think you can figure out the uh, like you can Google it, <laughs> you know, you can like, mm-hmm. you can figure out those things, but like to know, like how as a person you should be treated to know like how to treat other people. Like those are really fundamental things that I don't think, um, I, I like, I don't think that people really talk to, I, I don't remember that ever being a conversation. Like what should your friendships feel like would be like a good mm-hmm. starting point for kids. Um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's a good point because even among, even talking about like relationships among, you know, like, yeah. young young people as boyfriend and girlfriend right it's like there's like the relationship and then there's sex right and it's not i guess to Mm -hmm. melissa's point like it's not viewed as you know an extension of right and so like you know how how can we think about like you know what healthy relationships look like in the world of sex as opposed to you know what's going on with with people's sex lives and then kind of extrapolating to what that means about their relationship. I mean, like, it obviously goes both ways, right? But I mean, um, yeah, I I think that, like, there's not enough to, like, intentionally kind of think about, like, how often those two things are kind of reciprocal in nature, right? That, like, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going on in people's relationships is often kind of, if, 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 if there's a kind of, like, base level of, like, you know, disrespect going on in the kind of non-sexual world of a relationship that that's often kind of probably present in like the sexual realm as well. Right. And so like getting Mm -hmm. people to kind of allowing people to kind of think through these kind of traits of their relationship elsewhere and how that may or may not be affecting um, their sex lives as well, I think is probably something that probably needs to be kind of like talked about more. And maybe it like makes it more private. Right. So like if, if sex is taboo, then like relationships that sort of start veering in that direction become taboo too. And so you can't Mm -hmm. talk about, if you can't talk about this aspect of it, maybe you can't talk about these other things. And so they become spaces for secrets and secrets Mm -hmm. are maybe like not healthy when kids, when, especially when young people are trying to figure things out. Right. Like. Mm -hmm. Correct. No. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a really important Um, thing that's I guess trying to be incorporated more in sexuality education like trying to incorporate these SEL like social emotional learning kind of skills and how that affects your relationships and um, how that could lead to more fulfilling pleasurable um, sexual relationships right Um, whether that couple is involved in a relationship outside of sex or not right how having those skills already built into us as you know as part of our lives um, can help people enjoy sex or not enjoy it as an adult yeah and like i feel like you know 
this conversation and like just the kind of thinking back to like memories and stuff about like what was said and what wasn't said um it's just like you can't help but be struck by like the heteronormativity of it all right that like you know here we are as like you know uh you know melissa and i as like a cis cisgendered heteronormative couple right that like uh heterosexual couple not heteronormative heterosexual couple um and like acknowledging that there were all these kind of like gray areas and like kind of like blind spots right in our like educations Mm -hmm. right but like boy like thinking about like what this must have been like you know for young students who didn't fit those norms either you know in terms of uh, gender or sexuality right and so how they're Mm -hmm. you know if we feel that sometimes like we were flying blind and trial and error like jesus christ like you know I can only imagine what it's like for, uh, and I think that that's, that's, I mean, I, I think this is true of all cultures, like ac- across cultures in like the U S because of like our really kind of awful and lacking both like, you know, healthcare system and like, you know, the States that we uh, often come from and have experienced. But, um, but like, I think, I think that's probably, we can maybe say that like, it's also a, a particular kind of issue within the Latino and immigrant community more broadly, right. That like, you know, because of like, um, you know, the religious upbringing, especially like, even regardless of ours, right? That regardless of who we are today, mm-hmm. religiously or a religiously, right? That like, you know, because a lot of our parents' generation was still very much a kind of like from the religious upbringing, like that's very much mirrored in our upbringing and like in our school settings and stuff, right? And who our teachers are, right? And so like that really colors so much. And so, um, yeah, I really to this day, I think, you know really kind of empathize and sympathize with like you know queer students and 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 uh gay young gay people who like really do feel totally abandoned by like our system of like sex ed Mm -hmm. well and if like I, i think like the the message that we're getting too all the time right is like if something is really not talked about it's because like it's either it doesn't exist it's not real or it's so bad so as not to be mentioned, right? So, like, mm-hmm. the exclusion of any kind of talk about sexuality, about, um, you know, sex education that isn't just heterosexual sex education, like, all of that, like, that really does sort of send a message not just to, to kids who are queer that, like, there's something wrong with them or that, like, they don't have, like, a they don't have an, enough information, but it also sends all the other kids who might identify it as straight at the time that they're getting those messages. Like they're still getting a message that, like there's something wrong with that, that then might sort mm-hmm. of like, cause like sexuality isn't sort of like this cut and dry one thing or another, like you're this or you're that thing. And so when you're getting these messages that send you that, like it is cut and dry, it is this or that. And we don't talk about that. That's bad. I think it really mm-hmm. limits people's understandings of like what's possible for them and what kinds of things could, could be like, sources of joy and like experience for them. So I think it's, um, it's detrimental for everybody for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, and the thing is about sex ed is that it varies so much from, you know, city to city, state to state, like everyone's just getting different information and different messages around it. Um, So even when people like as adults encounter each other, they might think they know what the other person is talking about because they're making assumptions about their own experiences and about their own information but everyone's just coming from their own kind of like thing you know so that kind of 
uh, makes it difficult to communicate and negotiate around sex and around all things associated with it. Um, and it's like, I don't know. And it's, I'm, I don't want to say the little things, but it, cause it's a big thing, but even just separating students by gender or by, you know, girls and boys, mm-hmm. like that can put a lot of pressure on someone um, that may not identify as what their outward appearance might suggest, or that might not identify as either. It forces them to choose a box for themselves when they might not be ready for it. Um, and I think they, so, they yeah, send just, you. Like, they don't tell you, like, if you're a girl, go here. If you're a boy, go here. Yeah. They're like, you, 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 you're a girl, go there, right? So, like... Yeah. Yeah, so it's a very, like, like making small changes and those kinds of things, I think, could make a really big impact in the way students how they feel safe in the classroom when they're talking about sexuality education and um, just in themselves, like things about self-esteem and body image and all of those things are associated with sex ed as well. And it's just, I think a lot of things that people don't think about um, when they're having these conversations at school and, um, you know, in their homes with their kids. But yes, definitely a lot of lacking in um, inclusivity in sex ed. Um, if you were to talk to a young person about sexuality education or about sex, um, are there any things that you would want to replicate from y'all's experience with it? I think I can do a better job. Yeah. As an, like, I'm an educator, so, like, I'm, like, I can do better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, like, um, you know, fr- frankly, like what you said and what you were, what you described as what you were working towards, Sessie, like this kind of like, um, you know, h- how do we give students or just young people rather like the skills, right, to like by the time that they're engaging sexually to be able to kind of do so responsibly and like um, in ways that are satisfying and healthy, like. Um, it really is like having an attention to this kind of like scaffolded kind of like building blocks, right? Like you said, like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, there is a way to talk about like having difficult conversations, right? I mean, it's kind of like what's what's going on with like the, in the same way that we have like the taboo around like sex and sexuality right now around like, um, you know, like this kind of these, these don't say gay bills, all this like, uh, like, you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff that's going on politically with that it kind of really mirrors um, and is likely related to uh, like the kind of attack on like discussing racism in the classroom as well. Like this, this kind of like attack on like critical race theory and like K through 12 education. Right. Um, but like, you know, uh, uh, Ibram X. Kendi, who like kind of does the, like how to be an anti-racist stuff. Like, you know, he's gotten a lot of flack for like these books around geared towards young people about teaching them about racism. Mm-hmm. Right. But like in actuality, like when you stop and think about it, like, it's like, there is a way to talk to, students like in ways that are like age appropriate right it's like you know all these really complicated things about racism like there's a way to kind of have a parallel discussion that's age appropriate for students and so like it's the same thing kind of thing that that you mentioned earlier right like you know for kindergartners and first graders you talk about like what's a healthy friendship look like that you know where you know there is physicality right and kind of like what melissa was describing in her classroom right so just kind of thinking about um how to kind of I think I think it really just does all come back to like forging healthy relationships, right? And how those are the building mm-hmm. blocks of like healthy sex lives, right? And so, you know, how we have like healthy friendships and how we have healthy um, non-platonic relationships, right? Um, 
is is important, right? And I think, I, and frankly, like, you know, I, I just kind of put this together and maybe it's like, it sounds stupid because it's so basic, but like a lot of sexual relationships were platonic before, right? And so like having mm-hmm. strong, like a, a strong base of like what healthy friendships or just like run-of-the-mill relationships are with people is a good way to kind of be on the right track for when you want to have a sexual relationship with someone. And like a lot of the same rules apply, right? Obviously there's like nuances and differences, but like at the end of the day, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, a lot of the same kind of rules and skills apply. Um, So yeah, go try and emphasize that. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that's definitely true. Um, Just having those skills in general can, and just in friendships, right. Can translate into a romantic or sexual relationship or whatever Mm -hmm. that might transform into. And I love that you brought up the topic about race just because I mean, historically race is like tied to reproductive health, reproductive justice, just like all the, I like, I'm not going to go into like every single (laughs) horrible thing that has been done um, for the sake of, you know, sexual like research and all of that stuff, but um, it's so tied to it. And I think that that's something that, um, should be taken into account when talking about sexuality education with young people, how disproportion, how it affects certain people disproportionately and how people carry some of this stuff with them, you know, generational trauma that's, that's happened and that they carry with them and that they bring into the classroom, they bring into these discussions. And aside from like having inclusive, culturally responsive sexuality education, it should also be trauma informed, like taking into account that we don't know what people have experienced. We don't know what they're, you know, what they're bringing to the table. So, um, yeah, yeah. Sexuality definitely has to be very intentional. Having those conversations. Yeah, I mean, every like every group of kids that I had, there was someone, and that I would at some point find out had had some experience with like significant, like you know, like a boyfriend trying to do something, like a mom's boyfriend trying to do something, or like a brother. Like people just like they had these experiences, and like I'm thinking about how when we like make anything taboo right we sort of keep people from learning about it and that's that that's in the interest of something right like some some system of power is always going to benefit from like keeping people from understanding things well right um so Mm -hmm. think about like if people don't understand racism and the history of race in our country it's really easy to kind of keep perpetuating racist practices and racist systems i think the same thing happens if we think about like not giving kids access to understanding like sexuality from a broader perspective that includes like different, you know, sexual identities, different gender identities, like all those kinds of things. Um, Keeping that limited means that like who you can be becomes limited and your ability to express yourself and be your full self is limited, which of course, like it's in someone's interest. And then as women, Mm -hmm. right? Like if we only think about ourselves as sort of constant bearers of responsibility, like that's also, like whose interest is that in? Um, and so I think, I don't know, when I think about working with kids, I always want them to like ask questions about like who's in power and like how do we, how does that benefit, how does that hurt us or benefit us? What can we do about it? How do we navigate that? And like, how can we know that and sort of move through the world informed in ways that like help us make decisions for ourselves? Um, and I think anytime that we sort of like say like sex is different from all these other things, no, like it's all mixed together. It's all intertwined. And as soon as we start trying to separate stuff out, we create these pockets where it's easier for people to be taken advantage of or to be, um, I don't know, like victimized in certain ways or oppressed in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, more and more, especially because of like the politics of like Texas, uh, where many of us have spent time or are from, like, um, 
can't help like being like really conscious of the fact of how like these these political struggles have really intertwined at the moment right like in this kind of like post row mm-hmm. world that we've entered right that like um that you know it's 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 just it's just another you know that that movement is just essentially like the 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 next step in like the kind of shortcomings that we have been discussing for the last hour right that like mm-hmm. um having really shitty um sex education right is the first step towards like you know creating a really kind of broad base level of ignorance it's obviously tied to like i, I think i'm of the opinion that it's tied to and uh it's tied to like forms of racial oppression right that like you know it's keeping the keeping these forms of knowledge from particular students right um because like regardless of like however deficient like say a conservative state or texas's uh you know uh sex education is at the public school level you know students that have advantages are always going to find ways to be able to kind of work around those things right not all of them but like you Mm -hmm. know it's like it's again anything else right that they have it they have educated parents who have access to resources they end up attending school right so like there's all these kind of ways for them to kind of get around it but unfortunately i think when you think of like poor uh people of color in the state right that like um taking away their right to you know sexual autonomy um, and this source of in, important kind of what is frankly, especially for women, liberating information that kind of has the potential to be like sources of liberating information, like, um, is, is just a kind of like another kind of tool in the toolbox, right. That is, you know, that is, that is kind of informed by like the kind of racial politics of the state. Right. And I think that like, um, I, I think we're, we'd be better off kind of, um, thinking about how these, you know, the fight for like racial justice and reproductive justice are incredibly, and I think you mentioned this, right, Tessie, like they're incredibly intertwined, right? And I think being able to kind of connect mm-hmm. the dots uh, across those things is, is really important because like, again, right, like the Valley, um, the Rio Grande Valley, you know, has always struggled with teen pregnancies um, as like the rate of the population, right? And there's all sorts of like structural reasons for that. But um, I think now with, this with the kind of post row world uh you know some of these blunt solutions to like deal with with these issues um even those are now gone right and so i i just kind of mm-hmm. fear for like the future of you know poor black and brown communities that are now having to deal with this right and i think it's kind of like a logical um next uh conversation uh from the one we've been having i think yeah, definitely. And like, it's, yeah. And like you said, especially those communities where they don't have, first of all, the ability now to get an abortion if they want one, um, and don't have the resources to know how to prevent a pregnancy that they might not want, you know? So it's like, it's just all around bad, badness. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that goes back to the, like, you're nasty thing, bad. right? Like, it's like, oh, yeah you you deserve it you're bad you did the bad thing and it's as if it's Mm -hmm. not normal it's as if it's not something that everybody does it's as if it's not Mm -hmm. like a perfectly reasonable thing for people to do with their time right like it's yeah like there's nothing wrong with it like if they're teenage if teenagers want to have sex then like let them have sex just let them have sex that they enjoy with people they want to have sex with in safe and healthy way like what's wrong with that 
Who cares? Just let them have sex. After they after they finish their homework. Thank you for staying with us, and we hope you like this episode. Follow us on Instagram at sexuaitodoeso, where you can stay up to date on what's happening with us. Check out our stories to ask all your sex questions and DM us about y'all's experiences with sex ed. We'd love to hear from you. If you liked what we have to say, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And remember, make good choices. Adios.